There, literary fans, and welcome to episode 50 of Jeff Reads His Book. I am your host, Jeff, and today we're going to read chapter three of uh, Homecoming. That's the right book. <laughs> Homecoming, a book I wrote in a month, huh? You know, it's hard being such a professional author that I can't remember what books I wrote. You know, there's so many of them now. <laughs> Okay, yes. Uh, so if you want to get in touch with me on the show, you can head over to jeffreadsisbook.com and right there, there's three ways to contact me. And if you want to buy one of the two prequels to this book, uh, you can go over there and there's some links to Amazon where you can buy them and make Jeff Bezos just a little bit richer because he gets almost all the money from that purchase. <laughs> Ooh, yeah, so... Uh, very exciting. We're at episode 50. I've made 50 of these goddamn things. Cannot believe that. Uh, I should have, like, a party for this, but we're not gonna do that, are we? Because I don't prepare. I didn't even know it was episode 50 till three minutes ago when I wrote notes for the show. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, so I do want to go over some feedback, because for the first time in this book, we do have feedback. That's right. The lovely Laura wrote in with a little bit of, uh, some answers to our chapter one discussion questions. So, uh, first question, I did ask, what are your thoughts on pumpernickel bread? And I think I had that very opinionated stance that the only good bread is white bread. So, Laura says, I know Laura happens to like rye bread, which eh, could be okay. I don't know. It's not my favorite. She says, I love bread, but pumpernickel bread is really, is real low on my list. I'd eat it if I had to, with lots of butter, of course. Hey, okay, what is, um, when you go to Outback Steakhouse, right, uh, I like to celebrate the Australian culture. So I go to Outback Steakhouse every now and then. And they have like brown bread. Is that pumpernickel? I don't think it is. I feel like it's not pumpernickel, but I'm not sure. Any Australians listening to the show, write in with your opinions, huh? Um, okay, what, what was our second? Oh, oh, geese. We were asking about geese because Margot had geese friends. Yes, yes. Uh, Laura says, baby geese are adorable, especially when they're crossing the street with their parents. That is kind of cute. I can't get too mad. You know what I mean? Geese don't bother me, but their poop does. I am with Laura. I did mention there's a shit ton of Canadian geese all over the park by my house. They shit everywhere. You cannot get away from their dumps. And I don't even... What are they pooping? It always comes out green. Do they just eat grass? Uh, I don't know. Write in if you know more about Canadian geese feces. <laughs> all right. What's the third question? Oh, didn't you miss Henry and Margot? And Laura wrote in, and she, of course, said, I, I've missed Henry and Margot. Oh, that's nice. Well, we're going to hear some more from them today. But interestingly, uh, I have not made any progress on further editing this book. That's right. We are still at the same spot we were last week and the week before. I really do have to do this more. You know, it's a lot of it is that uh, I kind of started... I had a busy work week last week, and we're going to redo a kitchen. That 
fucking takes up a lot of time trying to sort that out. Ugh, so many options. We've see, heard from like two contractors. Couldn't be more different. <laughs> so I have no idea what these bids are going to come in as. <laughs> um, you know, And it's just taking up so much time. So I really haven't edited the book. And I'm sorry. I really want the print copy because reading it on this piece of shit laptop sucks ass. Ugh. I don't know. I mean, if you have a nice laptop for reading, let me know. Because um, clearly you don't own an Acer like this piece of junk. I do like slamming brands on this show. <laughs> Would anybody like to hear other things I don't like? No, we'll, we'll just move on. Um, what else did I say? Oh, okay. I did post on Mastodon, my stupid podcast, right? I said this uh, episode 49 was available, but I did it on like Friday because I'm lazy. And uh, I did get a response, which I thought was amusing. And it was from, so you've heard my email is jba at sdf.org, right? So... Although last week I got it wrong. Pretty awesome. <laughs> I'm not real happy with the SDF people. I think last week I said my email address was jba at sdf.lonestar.org. Well, apparently they didn't own the Lone Star domain, but I always gave that as my email address. Well, somebody died and now uh, nobody can update the Lone Star uh, registry anymore. And yeah, I'm screwed. So my email has dropped to... Literally none in the last, like, three weeks on that freaking system. Because I would always tell everybody it was jba at sdf.lonestar.org. And those fuckers, I mean, they kept saying, use that email address. I don't know. Forever? I mean, why would I? They never gave a warning that, hey, you should switch or Lone Star's bad. That should have been, like, announcement-level bullcrap. Especially, ah, fuck them. What a bunch of asswipes. So they run a uh, radio service, an internet radio service. They're not like real. They're just a bunch of nerdy idiots. But um, called Anon Radio. And they wanted to know if I wanted to do my podcast on the radio. They said I could just rebroadcast it. I don't I don't know that anybody wants to hear it. <laughs> but I was kind of, I'm, I'm like, oh, that'd be neat. But I'm just so mad about my email. <laughs> I don't know. I probably won't. Yeah, I didn't answer, and it's been days, so that's probably enough of an answer. <laughs> and, well, I would think if it's a radio show, they would be like, well, you have one hour to fill. What am I going to run commercials? Because this, you know, some episodes are like 30 minutes. I mean, not lately, because I've been rambling, like in this case. I don't know. If I did put it on there, I guess I'd let people know. The rest of the shit on there, I don't... I, I've never listened to a non-radio. Why would I? Ugh, hate the internet. Okay. So, uh, today we are reading chapter three. Chapter three is, as I've said, I'm going to do lines. 214 lines of text. 80 characters wide. Right. You know, because I like to stick to conventions from the 60s and 70s with punch cards. So, uh... I will say chapter three was the chapter I was thinking about when I said I liked it. I think this one's fun. Uh, probably mostly because we're going to see some sassy Margot in it. Yeah, she's going to get a little little pissy. It's going to be good. I like it. Uh, this is going to be a fun one, I think. Uh, I'm going to go get some whiskey, and we can kick off this episode. So, without any further ado, let's dive in to chapter three. So for today's episode, I am finishing up a bottle of Evan Williams 1783 Kentucky Straight Bourbon Whiskey. Mmm. 
I'm going to say this is probably a show favorite. Don't you think? I don't know that I have any other one on here more than this, honestly. Mm, but it's so good. Yeah. Mm. In Ohio, it somehow hit 20 bucks a bottle, which is annoying now. Now I have to start thinking, Jim Beam? Do I want to go Jim Beam at like 17 or 16 or whatever it is? Hey, getting into Wild Turkey, I can get 101 for like $21. I don't know. I do like this one, though. It's a good bourbon. It's delicious. Mm, mm. Let me have another sip. Mm. I actually posted a picture of it on the uh, Mastodon just to, you know, little exci- I'm trying to generate excitement for the podcast, right? That's working. Yeah, I think so. Okay, let's go here. All right. <clears throat> Chapter three. By late afternoon, the carriage was trundling along the Palace Boulevard in Eliath. Trundling. That's a good word. I kind of wonder if I maybe had the thesaurus out. Which, I usually use a paper thesaurus. I like thesaurus. I like books. Yeah. Okay, wow. That was a idiotic thing to say. Let's keep going. <laughs> Henry looked out at the sprawling palace behind wrought iron fencing to his right. Oh, excuse me. I'm like, my voice seems to be cracking a lot, doesn't it? I'm, maybe we should do a little cough here, huh? All right, I don't think that helped. Let's keep going. The ground, highly landscaped and kept in what he could only describe as freakishly pristine condition, even as fall approached, encircled the sprawling, randomly appended complex that housed most of the government. That was a big sentence. All right. I, I don't know. Was that good setting? I feel like it's not. Uh, write in. Tell me if that was good setting. JeffreyDisbook.com. The carriage abruptly turned to the right. Turned. Okay. Sorry. The carriage abruptly turned right towards the palace. That could be read like a couple ways. Could be. Could. Uh, you know. It turned right towards it. You know. Or turned right towards the palace. I think it's more right towards the palace, causing it to disappear from his window's view. Talking outside was followed by a knock on the door, and Henry opened it. Good afternoon, good people. I understand you're answering a royal summons, the guard asked in an absurdly polite tone. That's right, Henry said, looking at Margot. She sat unimpressed, staring at the guard. Guard looked from Henry to Margot, and he paused at her dismissive glare. Very well, good day, he eventually said, shutting the door. The carriage once again started bouncing for a short trip to the palace doors. When both finally disembarked from the carriage, I like when they say that on airplanes, disembark. I don't know, makes it sound more uh, oldie times, don't you think? Hmm. Uh, Henry found himself staring in a circular, staring in a circular area. Probably want to be standing in a circular area in front of palace doors. Two other royal carriages were present, but nobody else. I think we get the good treatment, he exclaimed, twirling his finger and looking looking at Margot. She looked to her sides with disinterest and shrugged. It's certainly better than our last trip here, Henry added jovially. Ugh, he is pissing me off with this right now. 
Well, yes, Margo admitted. Laughing, she added, <laughs> Hopefully we won't be fighting anyone today. Ugh, all right. At least not before dinner, Henry said. An attendant hurried from the palace doors to the carriage, and the driver handed down a scroll, presumably the one Henry had originally seen at home, he considered. The attendant opened the opened and quickly misspelled Reddit. <laughs> Q-U-I-K-C-L-Y. Not good. All right, uh, sorry, I'm not really... I don't know. My commentary so far, not great. All right. You probably don't want to hear my commentary. You just want to hear about Margot and Henry, right? Good day. If you would both follow me, please, he said, rapidly turning with precision and walking back to the doors. Henry shrugged, hooked Margot's left arm around his right, and followed the little man. What, well, since when was he little? All right, that's new. <laughs> The massive doors were swung open by more attendants, and Henry found himself inside an opulent entryway. He slowed to look around in wonderment. Very posh, he said, to nobody in particular. The man leading them, who was now more than twenty paces in front, abruptly turned and walked back to the pair. You are both quite late, he scolded. We must hurry along to the throne room while his highness is still holding court. Yes, of course, Margot said with an obvious air of disgust. We wouldn't want anyone to be inconvenienced. Thank you, madame, the attendant said and started away briskly. Margot pulled Henry along, shaking her head. I think she's mad. I'm going to have a drink right now. Mm. Not a drinking break, I just need a drink, you know what I mean? All right, where were we? After passing through another hall, the pair were led into an anteroom with far too many armed men and clipboards for Henry's taste. They were approached by a tall man who was presumably in charge carrying one of the clipboards. A woman who now held what Henry guessed was the same scroll from yesterday walked to the tall man and held it opened. Open, not opened. All right. Clearing his through. <laughs> I think that's a throat. The man announced in... I will remind everybody that I already edited this chapter. <laughs> the man announced in far too loud a voice, given how close he and Margot stood. Henry and Margot McCallum, I presume? Instinctively, Henry grabbed Margot's arm as she turned to leave. He didn't dare look at her, knowing how furious she would be. I am Henry McCallum, and this is Margot, he said judiciously. The tall man looked both of them up and down slowly with displeasure. You'll be seeing the king in the throne room, he said. Great, Henry said, letting go of Margot and giving a thumbs up. Yes, the man continued, and such an encounter requires proper attire. Sorry, I had to do a page down. <laughs> Henry glanced down at himself, confused. What, like a tie? A tie, sir? The man asked, also baffled. Apparently there are no ties in the world of magic. 
I would like to live there now. (laughs) No, sir, you are barely presentable, but ladies in the court must follow certain decorum. Henry looked over at Margot, who was looking up at the ceiling now. And what would that mean, she asked. I'm feeling she's exasperated, but I didn't put that there. Well, certainly not pants, the man scoffed. The woman with the scroll beside him closed her eyes, smiling, and shook her head. Oh, she's like giggling. Yeah. Henry looked at Margot and back at the two attendants. She looks amazing, he said. But the pants, the attendant protested, are amazing, Henry finished. Margot, spin around and show them. He looked at Margot grinning, and she returned it with an icy glare crossing her arms. I'm afraid it's unacceptable, the attendant said calmly. Shauna, please show Mrs. McCallum to a dressing room. As the woman walked toward her from seeming... What? Seeming again... As a woman walked towards her from seeming against the wall. I don't even know what that's supposed to say. Okay. Margot replied with vitriol. Big word. That is not my name. Mrs. McCallum, the attendant started again. I am Margot Lafleur, and I am not changing my clothes, she said. Henry could tell that she was barely containing her rage. He found her exceptionally attractive at this moment. Weird. (laughs) The mention of Lafleur evoked emotions around the room. Henry now noticed the pikemen had all lowered pike. I think their pike would have been useful. (laughs) Or what Henry assumed would be called pikes. Toward the couple. Towards the couple. Ugh, that sentence stinks. All right, so Henry doesn't know what a pike is. Is that what, uh, what do they carry at the, um, what does the Swiss guard have? Like a pike is like another word for spear, kind of. Does it do anything different? I don't know. I, I feel like it doesn't. But doesn't like the Swiss guard at the Vatican, they carry like a... Is it like with an H, a halbard or something? Halbard? Is that what it is? I don't know. Write into the show at jeffreachesbook.com and tell me what the Swiss guard carries or what the hell a pike is. The only reason I know pike is couldn't you create pikemen in Age of Empires 2? I think so. Yeah, yeah, that's a fucking sweet game. Check it out. All right, where were we? Um, uh, The mention of Lafour pikemen. All right, tendons had stepped back from them with some fear in their eyes. Henry surveyed the room, finishing on Margot. She stood with her arms crossed, and she rolled her eyes at him. All right, let's all relax, Henry urged, putting his hands up. Margot is a friend, let's remember. Another attendant ran up to the tall man with a clipboard, furiously poking at something. He cleared his throat and announced, The Lafleurs are... Blah, blah, blah. Page down, sorry. Considered enemies of the kingdom, and none shall be found in the presence of the king. So I don't need to wear a dress? Margot asked mockingly. The guards will escort you to another room for everyone's safety, the attendant stated. Two guards lowered their pikes and began, (laughs) instead of began, (laughs) approaching her. Margot, though, remained motionless. Whoa, everyone stop, Henry said, raising a hand. Margot is not going anywhere except with me. Sir, 
I cannot fulfill that request, the attendant started. There was no request in that statement, Henry said, now furious himself. This woman helped put your king back on the throne. The attendant looked to his side where another furiously, another, like person, where another furiously pointed at the clipboard once again. Stop that, Henry exclaimed. She will accompany me into the throne room as is, although I would like to see her in a dress. Margot huffed and rolled her eyes again. After a prolonged silence, Margot appeared to acquiesce. I'll just stay here and wait for you, Henry. Henry squinted at the black-haired woman suspiciously. Okay, he slowly said. Just go. I'm fine, she said dismissively, waving him along. She crossed her arms and legs, and she began tapping her foot. Go! I'm not waiting forever. The tall attendant smiled slightly and turned his attention to Henry. Follow me, good sir, and thank you for your cooperation, he exclaimed, explained. You and I will wait in the next room until we are announced in the throne room itself. Walking alongside the tall man, Henry responded tersely, Fine. The next room was darker than the last, and leading to the throne room, presumably, was oddly... Wait. Oh, okay, 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 I read that wrong. The next room, darker than the last, and leading to the throne room, presumably, was oddly long. There were no guards within this chamber, and he assumed it was designed to give some feeling of grandeur and opulence. Murals hung against the walls, lit only by small skylights, and their footsteps echoed. The footsteps were oddly echoing, though, Henry realized. He thought it sounded as if some were not merely echoes of himself and the attendant. The yelling behind him did not come as a particular surprise, not surprise. <laughs> Damn it. In the previous chamber that presumably still contained Margot, shouts rang out. The attendant with Henry touched his arm. One moment, please wait, sir, he said in a in barely contained panic. I have to check my phone. Laura is helping cats. Oh, and she's coming home already. Well, this isn't convenient. I'm trying to read a book. Okay. And now she wants something else. Oh, I have to make pizza. Damn it. I, all right. All right. All right. All right. We're going to keep going. We're going to keep going. I think we're almost at the end of this shit. Uh, boop, 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 boop. Yelling behind him did not come as a particular surprise in the previous chamber. Okay. One moment. Please wait, sir. He said in barely contained panic and ran back through the doors. Henry, instead, kept walking forwards towards the doors to the throne room. Margot materialized next to him, keeping perfect pace as they approached the throne room doors. Henry saw from the corner of his eye one of her arms jerk up, palm facing behind her, and the doors at their backs slammed shut with an echoing boom. So what, Henry began... Not now. I'm too angry, she said coldly. Not now. I'm too angry, she said coldly. Was that more cold? I don't know. I'm a very warm, loving person, so I don't get that real well, right? Yes, I noticed, he said, trying to suppress a laugh. Looking to his right, she saw her... Oh boy, this is all fucked up, too. 
looking to his right, he saw her grinning with self-satisfaction. Drinking break! Mm. I'm going to go ahead and start the oven for pizza for lunch. Okay, we're back, and we are drinking whiskey and continuing. Mm -mm. Henry pushed the doors to the throne, pushed open the doors to the throne room, and waved Margot through. She glanced back at the doors behind them, stuck closed for the time being, and bowed slightly to him. As angry as she had been moments before, she was now mildly amused at the chaos ensuing behind them. Just through the door, another attendant stood. The throne room stretched unnecessarily far in front of her. The dais and throne itself looked tiny from this distance. The entire room was a gaudy white marble that then made the eyes ache after passing through the dim room now behind them. White marble. I really didn't picture the throne room like that now that I'm reading it. Eh, well, whatever. Uh, I mean, I must have at the time, right? I guess that's just as obnoxious as I can think. It's just white marble. Ugh. Henry squeezed into the room behind her and quietly shut the door. Watching him, she noticed the quick, subtle spell he mouthed, presumably to seal this door as well. He winked at her, which she found tacky but endearing, and rewarded him with a quick peck on the cheek. The attendant standing to her right cleared his throat and stared at the door as if expecting someone else. Is is someone else coming? he asked, genuinely confused. Margot looked at the door in mock thoughtfulness. I'm not sure, she said, knowing full well that nobody would be coming anytime soon. Usually guests are accompanied by Sir Cameron or another, he explained, now looking at the door concerned. As he went to reach for the handle, Henry stepped in front of it. Oh, he told us to go on ahead. He couldn't come in because Henry trailed off. Because he wasn't presentable, Margot finished. Something about pants. I, re I didn't really understand what was wrong. Do you mind announcing us? The attendant's eyes darted between the two magicians. Um, was all he managed. I am Margot Lafleur, and this is my wardrobe coordinator, Henry McCallum. He failed to pack any gowns for this occasion, and I am quite furious with him. After a moment of silence from the attendant, she urged, Well, go on, we are expected. Oh, Margot, listen to you. The attendant turned to face the throne and raised a small red flag that seemed to appear from nowhere. About three-quarters of the way to the throne, another attendant raised a small green flag. Ugh, this is like some sort of, It's so big, they have to use, like, uh, semaphores. Ugh. The attendant cleared his throat and puffed his chest out. For consideration by His Royal Highness, Miss Margot Lafleur and her servant, Henry McCallum. Praise the king, he roared across the room. Henry snorted, and Margot smacked his arm. Shush. At that moment, yells erupted in the room behind them. The attendant next to her looked at the door, then back at her in fear. Margot shrugged with disinterest. Pants or something, I'm not sure. The attendant frantically grabbed the door handle, trying to push the door open, as Margot and Henry started towards the king. The pair briskly walked forward, and they could see Stephen rising from the throne and coming to meet them. 
Some fuss behind them was beginning to grab the attention of others, presumably about the door that Henry had sealed. She made it a point to take no notice, heading straight for Stephen. When the three finally met, Stephen grabbed her and pulled her into a hug, surprising Margot. All the formalities had made her assume that he was no longer the person they once knew. He stepped back and exclaimed, Margot, I'm so happy you're here! And Henry! Henry offered a hand, but the king pulled him into a hug as well. Henry was clearly caught off guard. Thank you for coming so quickly. I cleared everything on the on schedule today when I heard you'd both be arriving. Aaron is here somewhere, too. Snapping his fingers, he called to an attendant. Find Aaron right now. Margot laughed lightly, now almost entirely disarmed by seeing the young king. We didn't have much of a choice, did we, she said. Stephen stared at her questioningly. We received a royal summons and told we had to comply. What, he said. Margot thought his confusion appeared genuine. Yep, a carriage pulled up outside her house and they demanded we go with them, or they could return with soldiers, Henry explained. Margot nodded in agreement. Stephen put his hands over his face and groaned. The people here are so formal and literal, he lamented. I probably said something stupid like I'd like to speak with you as soon as possible. They take things the wrong way all the time. I'm not cut out for this. "'Margot!' a voice called out to her right, and she looked to see Aaron charging towards her. The young girl slammed into her at full speed, and Margot backpedaled to regain her balance. Margot grinned, closing her eyes, and squeezed her tight, ecstatic that her friend was here. Margot held Aaron for what she thought might be an awkwardly long period, but she didn't care. When she finally released her, Heron grabbed Henry similarly, and the two shared a much quicker hug. How did you know we were coming? Margot asked Aaron, grinning. Oh, I guess the carriage drivers reported in, Aaron said, shrugging. Oh, I have stories about that, Margot said. Just then, the door to the throne room was thrown open, and guards poured into the room, followed by the tall attendant who had given them... Such a hard time. (laughs) Terrible writing. Here comes a story right now, Margot said calmly to Aaron and Stephen, both of whom stared wide-eyed at the crowd. Grab those two now, a guard roared, pointing at Henry and Margot. Nobody moved, though, since the king stood there as well. Margot watched Henry look at Aaron and back at the guard. Uh, Margot watched Henry look at Aaron and back at the guards. Hey, she's wearing pants, he yelled, pointing at Aaron. Margot nodded in agreement. And that ends chapter three. So does everybody see why I actually enjoyed that chapter? I think Margot comes off as just the right amount of indignant. I was going to say sassy again, but she's pretty, she's pretty pissed. And one thing I've always liked about her is that she doesn't seem impressed by, like, anything. So even seeing this palace and, like, being treated politely, she just is totally cold and oblivious to it, I guess is the way to describe it. I like that about her. She's fun. She's fun. And, you know, I always like when she gets angry. I think that's kind of her thing. Yeah, so good times. Um... I don't know. Henry was uh, pretty okay in this one. He was trying to simmer down a little bit of a hostile situation there. And 
I guess kind of succeeded. I don't know. It's just a fun little short, goofy chapter. I think all these chapters are going to be short, if not goofy. But uh, I, this book, I want to say there's a little bit more goofiness to it than maybe some of the other books. But, uh, you know, I'm probably misremembering. <laughs> Having not edited it, I think I'm just not remembering what the hell the plot line is, or how the story goes, or how dull it might be. And I'm guessing it's pretty dull. The plot, I'm positive is not great so we're gonna see how this goes yes so why don't we do some discussion questions i got a solid three for you today uh what do we got here okay first all right so henry is very impressed by the palace on multiple occasions in this chapter right so what i want to know is what is the fanciest place that you've ever been uh, i actually didn't think of an answer for this so let me think like what I've been to like some buildings in Washington D.C. You know they're fine, I guess. Uh, they get fancy, but they're so utilitarian that you're like, "Yeah, is this really fancy?" Because uh, I remember on another podcast once somebody saying that you know when you see the White House in person, it's actually kind of shitty because it is being used. It's not like uh, what do I want to say? It's not like a a French palace that's just become a tourist attraction where they just have to upkeep it and, you know, make it look nice. People are actually working and living there. And I think in that story he pointed out that there was a copy machine in the men's room because they just had nowhere else to put it. Uh, so, uh, you know, I'm going to discount most of, like, the Capitol building. It's kind of fancy, I guess. It looks like it's fancy on the cheap. <laughs> I think they made fun of it, in fact, when they talked about how it was built out of sandstone during the tour. Uh, where else have I been that's actually, like, fancy? Um, you know, I mean, there's always restaurants. I've been to fancy restaurants where you can tell things are nicer than stuff I'm used to, I guess. But I can't really think of a good one. Uh, I'd say Canadian Parliament. Uh, that one's, that building is actually very gothic and fancy. So, very pretty. Uh, I think that might be fancier than maybe some of the U.S. government buildings. Although, then again, eh, kind of falling apart. I'm going to have to go with, like, art museums. Any art museum is going to be generally fancier than, uh, you know, most, like, government buildings. You should, if you're ever in Cleveland, you have to visit the Cleveland Museum of Art. It's an exceptional, exceptional art museum. I've been to quite a few now. I've been to, like, uh, whatever the hell the Ferris Bueller Museum there in Chicago is, and I've been to all the crap in Washington, D.C. I've been to the National Gallery in uh, Canada. That one's fun. I've been to one in Quebec. I don't know. We try to hit art museums pretty regularly. Toledo Art Museum, surprisingly good, though not, you know, as nice as some of the others, but way beyond what Toledo should actually have. <laughs> but uh, the Cleveland one, they did all this renovation and additions, and it's still, like, kind of reeks of being brand new. It's very fancy, and it's free. You guys should make the trip. That might be the fanciest place I've been. You know, I'm trying to think. Okay, uh, maybe uh, the orchestra. That is very fancy, too. So Cleveland has a very fancy orchestra here. The Cleveland Orchestra is considered a good one, I guess. I don't know orchestras. I don't even know what we listen to most of the time when we go there, but it's fun. I like going. You know, we get dressed up, and uh, yeah, it's a little bit, you know, we feel prissy for a week or for a, for an evening. 
But uh, very fancy, yeah. I definitely feel out of place when I'm in that facility. Maybe that's what I'm going to go with. That's probably the fanciest place I've been. I don't know. I've been to, like, restaurants that are expensive, but I feel like that's not necessarily, like, counting. I don't know. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Question two, somewhat related to question one. Henry refers to the palace as being quite posh. And I believe in his narration in his head, he also said that the carriage was posh. Uh, Do you ever use the word posh? (laughs) I bet you don't. I think this is uh, probably kind of stolen from Harry Potter. I feel like like that was said quite a bit in those books. Maybe just the movies. I don't know. I haven't seen... I haven't read the books in a long time. The movies are probably a little fresher in my mind, but... I'll pop those on if they're on TV, but I feel like Ron Weasley would say posh. I don't know. Hmm. Hmm. Andy has red hair. Oh my god, is Henry just Ron Weasley? Here's a hint. No. (laughs) I don't think that they're even remotely similar, but Henry's not goofy. He's quite competent and uh, overly confident in himself, so... Yeah, not the same person. But they do have red hair, so that's interesting. And say posh. I guess that's where the uh, similarities end, though. Uh, Yes, that's a good question. Do you use the word posh? I like that. Mm -hmm. Okay, and then for your third question. Okay, Margot gets in a lot of trouble for wearing pants. Have you ever committed a dress code violation? Huh? That's a good one. Um, I don't think... It's as a man, it doesn't happen too often. I mean, you can. I guess there's occasions where you can like be in a situation where you shouldn't be wearing jeans, but usually that's like a more of a shaming than like a dress code violation. There are places where you're not allowed to wear sneakers if you go to like the club, which I do not. So that's never really been a problem for me. Um, I'm more thi- oh, you know, and there's been bars that you're not allowed to wear jeans in that I've been to and shorts. Yeah, so, but I didn't violate it, so it doesn't matter. I mean, whatever. Uh, I'm going to say I did once upon a time. Uh, I used to be in collegiate archery. I was on my college's archery team, uh, and I wasn't particularly good. I mean, I guess I was okay. Not great. I still have a bow upstairs, too. Super fun sport. But uh, one, we went to Michigan State for an archery tournament, and I think it was Nationals, huh? How about that? Doesn't that sound fancy? Anybody who wants to go to Nationals can go to Nationals. And I remember you have to wear a white shirt for archery. It was That's like a rule. You all have to wear white shirts. And you can't have any branding on it unless they are a sponsor of the tournament, which is so freaking douchey. So... Unless, what, Easton, who, aside from baseball bats and hockey helmets, I, maybe they make, I don't know. Easton also makes arrows, a lot of arrows, and they always would sponsor tournaments. So, you know, if you had an Easton t-shirt on or something, that'd be cool. So, we always had to be very careful not to wear branding. So, I wore just, it was a white t-shirt, and it had like a, <laughs> I think it had, a, it was a, um, Big Bad Voodoo Daddy concert t-shirt. You know, it was just like their freaking tour. Ah, that must have been like freshman, sophomore year of college I got that shirt. Okay, I don't consider Big Bad Voodoo Daddy's concert t-shirt really product placement. And they uh, they almost disqualified me for wearing my shirt. 
and they made me go in the bathroom, wasn't allowed to do it at the shooting line, and go turn my t-shirt inside out so you couldn't see the logo of the band on the front of it. I was just, I, I my mind was blown. I'm like, how? I, I don't know what to say here. They were just the most officious douchebags you've ever met. I will say this about archery. I really like archery. I love shooting my bow. It was fun. Not a big fan of a lot of the people, though, you know? Like those referees at that meet, they were just so officious, just such douchebags. Just, oh, I want to, I have to think of something to find wrong today. Oh, this kid's wearing a freaking band's t-shirt. Ugh, what a bunch of idiots. And then, uh, like, I don't know, there were so many, patronizing's not the word, it was like passive-aggressive conversations with so many archery people. I just couldn't stand them. I don't know. It was weird. That was my whole beef with archery was I just didn't want to be around anybody having anything to do with archery. Other than that, it was fine. It was great. I loved the sport. It was a hoot shooting arrows, but the people would drive me up the wall. Now, of course, there were exceptions. I mean, there were a few people on my team I liked, and uh, that should be a little bit telling that I said a few people on my team. I think, uh, yeah, it was a weird sport. But that, I think that's my most notable dress code violation. Um, there were other times uh, I used to referee soccer and I forgot my black uniform uh, to, to when I was doing a playoff game. And all I had was they used to, back in the day, the only acceptable colors was black and that, I think they called it like chartreuse or something. It was the pink one. It was so... I don't know. It was ugly. So I only had my pink shirt. I'm like, and I was panicking because I had already driven like 45 minutes to this game. I'm like, okay, don't worry. We'll just wear pink. We'll just wear pink. When we get there, the other, one of the teams was in pink. I was like, how is this happening to me? So I had to tell I was going to be a lineman. I'm like, I don't have a black shirt. I just don't have one. And they're like, how do you not have a black shirt? They were so pissed. And I was never invited back after that to do any playoff games. You know, which was fine because they never fucking paid me for those playoff games. You could go to hell, freaking Boston area youth soccer. Ugh, you guys suck. But yeah, they were real bad with payment after the season ended. They would never pay referees after that. It was, ugh, I hated refereeing. Ugh. Anyway... Yeah, I don't think that's a dress code violation per se, more just that I forgot a t-shirt. Yeah, or t-shirt. It was this collared thing. I still have it somewhere, my black shirt. It's probably exceptionally big, too, because I used to think it was pretty boss to wear, you know, giant clothes. I was pretty cool back in high school. (laughs) So if you do have a answer to any of these discussion questions, why not write into the show? If you go over to jeffreadsisbook.com, right there, there's three links so you can contact me. Now, let me just note, this week I'm going to give the right email address. You can email me at jba at sdf.org. That's right. Last weekend, I gave a different domain. Don't use that one, because the people who run that server are dumb shits. Okay. Also, you can reach me on Mastodon at jba at mastodon.sdf.org. Or you can reach me on Twitter at Fortran Jeff. Or I guess like on Reddit, you can find me at PrintStar. Uh, I go on Reddit so little ever since they redesigned it because, I don't know, it does, it's so slow. I Who gives a shit? I'm starting to get real... What do I want to say? Fed up with 
fed up with anything with likes or upvotes or why, why am I competing with this idiotic picture of my keyboard or like, uh, hey, check out my, I only do nerdy things, check out my podcast, there you go. Yeah, I know, that's why I just don't post it on there or basically anywhere because I'm, it's not just being lazy, it's just I don't want to, I don't want to do it. Anyway, <laughs> that's always fun, right? Uh, yeah. And you can uh, reach me on Facebook, I guess, if you know where to look. But I don't mention this podcast, so it might be kind of hard. Yeah, so that's our uh, episode for this week. Um, I think we'll be back at the regular time next week. I'm going to try to edit this. I'd like to get back on track with releasing this podcast on Tuesdays. I know this last week it came out on, like, Thursday. So we're going to struggle along here, get this edited up. I mean, editing takes all of, like, 15 minutes, so I don't know why I'm bitching about it, but I usually just delay. Yeah. What are you going to do? I got things to do, people. Huh? Huh? Yeah. These naps aren't going to take themselves. Ah, well. So, anyway, uh, I guess that's it. So, until next time, keep on reading. (laughs) 